0: Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I hope all is well in your life. I hope you are having a good weekend, and I hope you're ready to get into the Word of God as we're going to open back up His Word this morning and continue our study of reconciliation. Before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we come this morning with hearts of thanksgiving, just thanking you for you, for who you are, God, for loving us like you do. God, you love us like nobody else can. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, the salvation that you have given us. We thank you that through your son, Jesus, we are reconciled to you, We thank you you have given us the ministry of reconciliation. Father, we thank you for your word. You tell us all of this and everything we need to know in your word. So we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us, and we ask you to do that again this morning. Teach us, lead us, and guide us in all your truths. And I pray, Father, that we will all be doers of your word and not hearers only. Father, I just lift up everyone listening this morning. God, you know where each one is at. You know each and every need, each and every situation, and we put them in your hands, Father. Father, we give you this time and pray that you'll be glorified in it. And we give you all praise, honor, and glory, and we love you. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Last week I talked from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, and focused on being reconciled to God. I talked about how we are enemies of God until we surrender our lives to Jesus, because if we are living in sin and we haven't accepted God's gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus, then we are living as enemies of God. However, as we discussed last week, God still loves the sinner and made the way to bring about reconciliation. God did that. We talked about how in human terms, reconciliation, when people need to be reconciled to each other, it's more than often, it's the offender or the person in the wrong. It's the one who must take that first step of reconciliation to be reconciled with their loved ones or their friends or those they have offended. But that's not the case with God. In Paul's writings, God is always the reconciler. When we come to Christ, he reconciles us to God and we become new That's that new creation we talked about last week. At that point in time, we began a brand new spiritual history of our lives. The old is gone. The new has come. If you missed last week's teaching, you can listen to it on the Love in Action podcast, which you can find pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, Chrome and Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and many more out there. We usually post the Sunday Morning with Love and Action every Sunday evening to our podcast, so you can catch up with teachings there if you missed them here on the radio. Today, we're staying in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. There's just so much in there. Today, we're going to be focusing on what the Apostle Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation, how God has given all of us who are followers of Jesus the ministry of reconciliation. So the first thing I want us to see here in 2 Corinthians is that God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. He gives it to us. And let's read those scriptures again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Christ reconciles God to us and us to God by his atoning death. Consequently, reconciled persons have a ministry of reconciliation to those alienated from God. And that makes perfect sense. If we are reconciled, we've been reconciled to God, then we understand what that means. And now we have that ministry that we share with others on how they can be reconciled to God as well. Christ sent the apostles to be ambassadors of his word to the nations. When they preached Christ, they spoke on his behalf, as the scripture says, making his appeal through them. The appeal is for all who hear this message to be reconciled to God. So as the apostles were preaching, they were speaking on behalf of Jesus. And through them, Jesus was sending that message, be reconciled to God. And just like the apostles had that ministry of reconciliation, every follower of Christ has that same ministry of reconciliation. I like the note in the Systematic Theology Bible, Study Bible, about this scripture. It reads, Jesus is alive and his people are born again, anticipating his making all things new at his return. Christ, our peacemaker, has died and risen to accomplish reconciliation. The apostles' task and ours is to broadcast that message. So we are to broadcast that message loud and clear. We're broadcasting it right now on the radio, across the internet, on apps, on smartphones. Be reconciled to God. And we are, as believers, followers of Christ, to carry and take that message to everybody. Be reconciled to God. Verses 18 through 19, we read, All this is from God. You see that? All of this is from God. the Reconciling. God has reconciled us to himself, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. All of this is from God, who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. In some translations, like the Holman translation, it says, instead of entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, it says, committed to us. God committed to us the message of reconciliation. So as for his message, Paul included the fact that God committed to him the message of reconciliation. This occurred at the home of Judas on Straight Street in Damascus. How do I know that? Hey, it's in the word. <laughs> Go to Acts chapter 10 verses Acts chapter 9 verses 10 through 19 and you can see where this occurred at the home of, of a man named Judas on Straight Street in Damascus shortly after Paul encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. The verb committed in the Greek denotes a divine appointment. So this was a divine appointment for Paul and therefore It's a divine appointment for you and me. When we came to Christ, gave our lives to Jesus, that was a divine appointment. And now he has given us that ministry of reconciliation to tell people to be reconciled to God. That was a divine appointment in our lives. And we need to take that message now, be obedient to Jesus Christ, and share it with others. Because this was a deliberate and a carefully considered action on God's part. It wasn't by chance that he committed to Paul the ministry of reconciliation. And it's not by chance that he commits that same ministry to you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. Reconciliation is both an accomplished fact, which we read in verse 18, and a continuing process, which we read in verse 19. Although it is a done deed as a result of Christ's work on the cross, it nonetheless must be personally appropriated. We have to personally receive it. God has given it to each one of us individually, and we need to receive it and be obedient to him. And this is where Paul and the gospel message fit into the picture. He and those of us who are followers of Christ function as God's agents in proclaiming what has been accomplished. To use Paul's language, God appointed them to preach the word of reconciliation. So they proclaim, be reconciled to God. Well, everyone is not called to be a preacher, or a pastor or an evangelist, we're all called to proclaim the gospel and the word of reconciliation to the lost. Two things need to be noted here. First, the verb reconciled in verse 18 is passive. It is not that we must be reconciled ourselves to God, as would be the case with the Greeks and the Romans and their gods. Rather, we are to be reconciled, that is to accept what God has already achieved. Do you see the difference We don't have to do things that brings about reconciliation with our God. God has already done it, and so we just need to accept what God has already achieved. He's already achieved reconciliation. We just need to accept it. Secondly, the gospel minister's job is not to bring about reconciliation, but to announce what has already occurred. It's not up to me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring about that reconciliation. I can't do it. I'm not God. But what my job is, what my calling is, is to announce what's already occurred, what God has already achieved. In a real sense, you and me are a town crier or a herald proclaiming a news item with earth-shaking significance. Back in the old days of newspapers, you would have people on the street corners hawking newspapers, and they would yell, extra, extra, read all about it, because it was a big news story going on and outselling those newspapers, and people would rush to buy that newspaper to see what was going on. That was well before social media and the internet. But that's like us. We're yelling, extra, extra, read all about it. Be reconciled to God. We also take on the role of the Herald each Christmas when we sing those well-known lines written by Charles Wesley, Hark the Herald. Angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I spared you from singing that. I just read that. <laughs> but that's what we're doing. We are heralds at Christmas time when we sing that song. But what we recount in song, Paul proclaimed in earnest. For all that remains for humankind to do is to receive what God has effected. So we just have to receive, receive it. God's done it. Yet how can they receive it, the word says, unless they have heard it? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That's in Romans ten, fourteen through fifteen. The demand for heralds remains a pressing one today. It hadn't changed. It's still a pressing need to have heralds for God out there, proclaiming the message of the gospel, proclaiming to be reconciled to God. The need is still as desperate, and the news is just as vital as it was back when Paul was heralding the news, be reconciled to God. Then the verses 19 and 20 reads, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Since God entrusts us with the message of reconciliation, we are now ambassadors for Christ." Where his representatives proclaiming that mankind must be reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors. If you were an ambassador of the U.S. to the country of, let's say, Belize, or any country that U.S. has an ambassador living, you would represent America to that country. What people see in you is what they would think about America. So even more important is being an ambassador of Christ There's truly not a higher calling than being an ambassador of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We get the opportunity to be an ambassador for him. That's awesome. When we profess to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, the lost, they look at us to see what Jesus is like. When they see us, are they seeing the real Jesus? My mom used to tell me, that I would be the only Bible some of my friends at school would ever read. And when I was young, I had no idea what mama was talking about. But my mom was truly a very wise woman, and I understand what she was talking about. My witness, my lifestyle, my words represent Jesus to others. And if I don't represent Jesus well, then my lost friends, they won't see the real Jesus. And chances are won't come to Christ we are ambassadors for Christ. If we are a professing Christian, then people are going to look to us to see what Jesus is really like. So let's make sure we are showing them the real Jesus, who he truly is, that they can see him living in us. Are people seeing and hearing Jesus in your life? Have you received the message of reconciliation that God's given you? He's given all of us. It's like any other gift. You have to receive it. Are you a born again believer in Jesus Christ? If so, then receive this ministry and tell others to be reconciled to God through Jesus. Tell them the good news. That's what the gospel means, good news. How are we to share this message of reconciliation? Well, actually it's very easy. God tells us in his word what to say. I find studying the word of God so interesting. There's some things in his word that we just won't ever understand because it's God's word. I mean, he's God. We can't understand everything about God, but what he makes crystal clear is how we are to get saved. How are we to be saved and share this saving message with others? The Bible is crystal clear on everything that's salvific, which means anything pertaining to salvation. So we know that God gives us the ministry of reconciliation, but he also gives us the message, what we are to share on how people can be reconciled. The message of reconciliation that Paul is writing about right here in verse 21, he writes, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. We don't have to make up a message. God's done it for us. The Holy Spirit through Paul is telling us what that message is. God gave us Jesus, the one who was sinless, perfect, without sin, to be the sin offering for sinful man. So when we are in Jesus, we receive God's gift of forgiveness of sins and salvation. And as we read in verse 21, in Jesus, we also become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we are reconciled to God. It's all right there in verse 21. He gives us what we need to share with others. And do you see what Jesus did for us? He died on the cross for our sins. Without his death on the cross, we'd have no opportunity to have forgiveness of our sins. Therefore, we'd have no hope. We'd be held bound for all eternity. But Jesus was our substitute. And praise God on the third day, God raised Jesus from the grave. And if not for the resurrection, we'd have no hope for victory over sin, death, and Satan. If not for the resurrection, we would have no hope of eternal life with God. So you see, Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, did all of this for us. And when we are in Jesus, that is when we place our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But look what else we receive his righteousness. Talk about the great exchange for our sins. We He takes our sins and he gives us forgiveness, eternal life, his righteousness. I mean, it's, it's the most incredible exchange there's ever been. And we get that opportunity to receive all of this life from Jesus Christ, eternal life from Jesus Christ. The vine's expiratory dictionary defines righteousness this way, equity of character. And the root of the word in which it comes from means innocent or holy. The character or quality of being right or just is used to denote an attribute of God. The righteousness of God means essentially the same as his faithfulness or truthfulness, that which is consistent with his own nature and promises. So that's what we receive from Jesus. In Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, The person who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in Jesus. We become in Christ all that God requires for a man or a woman to be and all that we can never be in ourselves. We become all that God requires for us to be and all that we can never be in ourselves. That's powerful. And Jesus does that for us. God did that. He took that step. He's the reconciler, and he offers reconciliation to us. He offers us everything, and we just have to receive it. And it's not merely that we acquire a right standing or good works. We actually become righteous. For in Christ, or perhaps through Christ, we truly assume his righteousness just as Christ assumed our sins. Again, what the great exchange there was. What an incredible exchange that is. He assumed our sins. We assume his righteousness. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, that our righteousness, human righteousness, is like filthy rags. An unrighteous person cannot be in the presence of a holy and righteous God. So what does God do? He gives us his son's righteousness. (laughs) It's amazing. God takes our sins, and in turn, he gives us his righteousness, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with the Father, and eternal life with the Father. And that is beyond incredible. That's beyond awesome. And it makes me want to say, why would anybody not want to accept God's amazing gift of his son, Jesus Christ? How can anyone not love a God who would do this for us? Have you received Jesus, God's perfect gift of forgiveness, salvation? righteousness and reconciliation. If not, I implore you to do so today. Don't delay. Now is the day of salvation. Just call out to him. Ask Jesus to save you. Ask him to forgive you, to be Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus made an atonement for our sins. Let me briefly explain atonement. That's one of the doctrines that we teach here at our 11 Action School of Discipleship in a class called Bible Doctrine, which was written by Dr. Wayne Gruden. It's a systematic theology class. So we'll teach a little bit of theology here. Atonement is the work Christ did in his life and death to earn our salvation. We see the love of God as a cause for the atonement Jesus made for his sins. In the most popular verse in the Bible, John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the justice of God also required that God find a way that the penalty due to us for our sins would be paid. He cannot accept us into fellowship with himself unless that penalty was paid and Paul explains that this was why God sent Christ to be a propitiation that's in Romans chapter 3 verse 25 and that is a sacrifice that bears God's wrath so that God becomes propitious or favorably disposed toward us. It was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Again, that's Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Therefore, the love and justice of God were the ultimate cause of the atonement that Christ made for us. And I mentioned earlier that Jesus gives us forgiveness of sin, salvation, and his righteousness by being the propitiation for our sins. He also gives us favor with God. Propitiation is a word that means a sacrifice that bears God's wrath to the end and in doing so changes God's wrath toward us into favor. Is that amazing or what? We now have the favor of God because of what Jesus has done for us. That's why I say Jesus has done everything. He's done everything for us. We just have to receive him. And there are four terms describing different aspects of atonement. And they show how Christ's death met four needs that we have as sinners. And let's just quickly look at those. Number one, we deserve to die as the penalty for our sins. Number two, we deserve to bear God's wrath against sin. Number three, we are separated from God by our sins. And number four, we are in bondage to sin and to the kingdom of Satan. Now these four needs are met by Christ's death in these four following ways. Number one, sacrifice. To pay the penalty of death that we deserve because of our sins, Christ died as a sacrifice for us. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 reads, He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So sacrifice. We needed that. Jesus met that. Number two, propitiation. To remove from us the wrath of God we deserved. Christ died as a propitiation for our sins. First John chapter, t- chapter 4 verse 10 reads, "In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins." Number 3, reconciliation. To overcome our separation from God, we needed someone to provide reconciliation and thereby bring us back into the fellowship with God. And as we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, that God, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Then number four, redemption, because we as sinners are in bondage to sin and to Satan. We need someone to provide redemption and thereby redeem us out of that bondage. When we speak of redemption, the idea of a ransom comes to view. A ransom, we know, is the price that someone pays to redeem another person from bondage or captivity. Jesus said of himself in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, "...for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." Therefore, the ministry of reconciliation is telling people what Jesus has done for us. It's telling people, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you see, sharing the gospel is not hard. The gospel message is Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead on the third day. That's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to explain the gospel to someone in a simple way, looking at the Bible, all you have to do is turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and read verses 1 through 8. Let's do that now, just so I can show you how easy it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 8. We read, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul tells us right there, the gospel. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day he arose. Share that with people. I remember mine and Martha's first trip to the Philippines to preach the gospel. I remember a man telling me and encouraging me in the Lord. On that plane, he said, if you preach Jesus Christ, Died for our sins, was buried, and brought back to life on the third day, you'll see an untold harvest. And that was absolutely the truth because that's what we preach and that's what we've been preaching all these years. And I can't tell you how many people have come to the Lord, but it's been tens of thousands of people have come to the Lord over the years by sharing that simple message with people of what Jesus has done for us. Like I said earlier, He's done everything for us. God's done it, He's the reconciler. He did what needed to be done to reconcile us to him. So we just have to receive that reconciliation, which is our faith in his son, Jesus Christ, the work he did on the cross, that he rose again. It's just like Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And so he offers us that gift of salvation. He offers us reconciliation with himself. And again, we just have to receive it. So I encourage you, if you haven't already, receive God's gift. There's no gift that comes even close to this. We're talking eternal life. We're talking forgiveness over sins. We're talking the righteousness of God that he gives us, favor of God that Jesus gives us. Jesus paid the price. He offers us everything. So call on him today. I encourage you to do so. If you got any questions or if you do give your life to the Lord and you want to know what do I do next, I encourage you to reach out to me. Our phone number here at Love in Action is 334-494-4995, 334-494-4995. You can also email me at ken.tuck at dot tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Dot com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to give you some next steps. love to try to answer any questions that you have as well. And if you are a believer, then understand this. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. Receive that ministry. Be obedient to God. We all m- must be obedient to our Father, and we should be obedient to Him because we love Him so much because of everything He's done for us. I mean, everything I've talked about today. And as I mentioned earlier, why wouldn't anybody want to serve this God. Why wouldn't anybody love this God who's done all of this for us because of his great love for us? So out of love, let's be obedient to God. Let's receive that ministry of reconciliation, and let's tell others that they must be reconciled to God and just share that simple gospel message of how Jesus died on the cross for our sins, how he bore the wrath of God for us how he was buried, and how on the third day God raised him from the dead. And you can share your testimony of how you came to know Jesus and what he's done in your life. God uses those testimonies in such a powerful way, so I just want to encourage you to share Jesus with others. People need to know about Jesus so they can have an opportunity to give their lives to him because the truth of the matter is when we leave this earth, we'll either go to heaven or to hell. If we don't know Jesus, we haven't given our lives to him then hell and eventually the lake of fire is the eternal destination. Total separation forever from God. Total torment, total destruction forever from God. But if we give our lives to him and we live for him here on earth, we're born again, blood-bought, then we know we will be with Jesus forever in heaven, forever glorifying and praising our Father. And we can't even imagine how awesome heaven is. And so I just encourage you, if you're not saved... Call out to them today and be saved. For all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you are a believer, tell others about them. Tell others about Jesus. Thank you for joining me today. I pray this has been a good word for you. And I pray that you'll take God's word and put it to use, as he tells us through James, be doers of his word and not hearers only. So let's be doers of God's word. I pray you have a great week coming up and that you'll just remember throughout this week that Jesus loves you so very much. I pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.